Hello and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Iowa City Mayor Bruce Teague. July is Disability Pride Month, a time where we can celebrate people with disability and advocate for a more inclusive and accessible world. From infrastructure and buildings to programming and activities, when accessibility and inclusivity are considered in all aspects of our community, everyone benefits. Today I'm joined by two guests, Aaron Kay and Mike Honig. Welcome to both of you. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. Hello, hello, hello. Very excited because this is a milestone, uh, 30 years uh, when we're thinking about disability. So let's begin by each of you introducing yourselves uh, to us and just telling us a little bit about your background and how you're an advocate for accessibility. So we'll probably start with you, Aaron. Well, thanks, uh, Mayor Bruce. Thank you so much for having us. I've, I've, uh, this is the first time I've met you, so this is, this is a really neat opportunity. So I'm Erin Kay. I'm the founder of my own company called Claiming Disability Incorporated. We're a registered LLC. We work to educate, empower, and advocate for people with disabilities. We believe in creating media projects created by people with disabilities for people with disabilities. So we have a weekly podcast that we do where we interview um, people from all walks of life. We interview caregivers, people in the community like yourself who care about disability rights and accommodations and advocacy. Um, the last week we just interviewed uh, Councilman Alex Waters from Sioux City there's some uh, representatives with disabilities out there in the political sphere. Uh, we need more representation like that. Um, my background is in education. I graduated with an education and nonprofit degree. Um, I've lived in Iowa City for four years. Before that, I lived in Des Moines and I worked in health insurance. And then I moved to Iowa City and I got a job with NAMI of Johnson County. If you're not familiar with NAMI, it's the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, they work to educate, advocate, and empower people with mental illness in Johnson County. And they're well known for their Our Place Peer Wellness Center, which is a mental health drop-in center located on Kennedy Plaza in Iowa City. So I did fundraising. I was the walk manager for four years. And now I've kind of taken on my own venture uh, with my own company, with my business partner from Minnesota, Molly Miller. Um, so I have a disability. I identify as a pretty powerful disabled woman, uh, along with my business partner, Molly Miller, who has cerebral palsy. I use a walker. She uses a wheelchair. We're kind of a dynamic duo. Um, please check out our merch store. Um, this month is Disability Pride Month, so if you feel like wearing your disability like a badge of honor and claiming disability, we don't think disability is a bad word. Uh, we're celebrating, we're having a party, and especially with the 30th signing of the ADA, we're pretty stoked. Well, it sounds like you are definitely an advocate and have been very busy, so thank you for introducing yourself. Mike, we're going to switch over to you and Please introduce yourself and tell us about your background. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Mayor Teague, and thank you for this opportunity um, to highlight disability, especially during um, 
the week of the uh, 30th anniversary <clears throat> of the ADA. So my name is Mike Honick. I am a program coordinator at the University of Iowa Center for Disabilities and Development. I've worked there for over 26 years now. Um, I work on several programs uh, related to such things as teaching health professionals uh, etiquette for working with individuals, patients with disabilities. I support uh, adults with disabilities in a leadership training program. Um, and we recently have embarked on a couple of uh, new ventures to really promote self-advocacy and self-determination among people with disabilities. And it's, it's interesting to me that we're kind of having to re-energize that process because 30 years ago when the ADA was signed, I was actually working for a center for independent living in the Quad Cities where I still live. Um, and I remember a lot of the work that went into <clears throat> the passage of the ADA, um, both in terms of uh, policymakers like Senator Harkin, who was the lead sponsor, but also the, the groundswell and the grassroots effort um, of people with disabilities who really championed the cause and, and expressed the need in many, many different ways for the civil rights legislation, which we know now as the ADA. So um, I'm really excited to be here. It's cool to um, be uh, doing this with Aaron because at the time the, the law was passed, <clears throat> that you were at a very different stage in your life, Aaron, as was I, but I actually remember when it got signed and I remember walking into uh, the office, the Independent Living Center um, on the Monday after the signage and having just this huge celebration, um, just kind of impromptu. So uh, it's bringing back a lot of memories. Well, thanks both of you for telling us about your background. And we've mentioned uh, the ADA, which is the American uh, Disabilities Act of 1990. And it actually right now is coinciding with the uh, uh, Disabilities Pride Month. And so I want maybe one of you to explain what is the ADA? As, as I mentioned previously, uh, a civil rights law that protects individuals with disabilities in many, many different ways. There are four um, major titles to it. Um, one has to do with employment um, and in terms of uh, decreasing or eliminating barriers to employment. And that's not just hiring, that's in the application process, in the interview process, in the benefits process. And, you know, it does prohibit uh, discrimination. Of course, there are um, law regulations in terms of who's covered and who's not, but just in, in general terms, that's, that's, that's one of the uh, titles, the main titles, if you will. Um, another is public services. So this would be services, you know, like transportation, um, other, um, if, if a city um, has a recreation department or a county or state, you know, that, that those types of things uh, have to be accessible um, to individuals with disabilities. The third title relates to public accommodations. And so that covers a wide range of areas. And, you know, it could be a stadium, a sports stadium. I'm a huge uh, baseball fan. So, you know, the fact that stadiums now have to be um, accessible, but it's also related to theaters. Uh, you know, it could be zoos. It could be just where people want to go, restaurants. And people think about it um, primarily in terms of physical accessibility, but it also uh, involves other types of, you know, programmatic accessibility in terms of 
uh, in my case, either having braille menus or, or providing an accommodation so that I know what's on the menu at a restaurant. Or um, for a person who's deaf, if you go to Hancher and some of the other places around Iowa City, for instance, you'll notice that there are uh, loops now that will <clears throat> allow um, individuals to, with uh, low hearing to be able to um, enjoy the same thing, the, the, the audio in a way that they may never have since since the loss of their hearing. And that's that's all due to the ADA. And then the fourth title has to do with telecommunications. And at the time, um, devices called TTYs were in, in high use by the deaf community to uh, communicate and it, it set up a national relay system where an individual would use their TTY, which is like a teletype, like a mini typewriter that connected to the phone and they would type a message and the relay operator would would voice it to the hearing person and then serve as a relay. She, she or he would then type the um, response back to the person who's deaf. Now that's, um, a lot of that technology is now um, done through texting and, and other technology, but at the time, that was a very, very valuable service because it opened up um, the services um, in, in communities to people who are deaf in a way that had never uh, been opened before. So that's just a very, very broad overview of the four main titles um, of the ADA. I just wanted to kind of add, so there's kind of a, another movement to um, like Mike touched on with the ADA and it's kind of like the ADA 2.0 uh, with technology and social media and kind of that, um, the uprising of that. I mean, you know, I was born in 1988, so I was, I was born with a lot of ADA privileges. And now, so we've, we've fixed, I can say as a physically disabled person who uses a walker, we fixed a lot of the physical barriers. Uh, that Mike was addressing, but obviously there's still work that needs to be done. Um, but also in online, you know, making sure your website is accessible with image descriptions, making sure that the website has a reader that you're able to make payments online and have that accessibility in um, online as well. So we're kind of moving into that movement uh, making sure that we have those accommodations as well. You actually answer what I was going to uh, ask. Uh, 1990 is very different from 2000, uh, tw you know, 2000 and even 2020. Technology has changed. And so I just wanted to know, like, what are some of the differences uh, between then and now that you all have seen? But I, I guess I would like to hear your personal uh, stories relating to ADA, I know, Mike, for you, you lived prior to ADA, um, so you have some, potentially some experiences that you can uh, talk about how the ADA has been um, beneficial or some of the challenges. And then for you, Aaron, uh, because of when you were born, ADA has always been there. Um, but of course, there's been uh, changes recently, and especially with your business, I imagine that you do see some of those. So. We'll start with you, Mike, and maybe you can tell us a little bit of what you've seen. Um, here are your personal experiences. Well, sure. Um, and, you know, I, it's, it's very interesting to reflect back because, um, you know, it's, 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 it's not like we signed the ADA and then the next day the light turned on and everything was accessible. You know, there, 
Wouldn't that have been awesome? Yeah, wouldn't that have been great? Well, it didn't quite work that way. And well, so, so a lot of the a lot of the changes have have happened over time. I think the ADA really was a catalyst for those changes. So I, I mean, I still remember growing up and having lots of um, curbs where you had to step up on the curb. There were no curb ramps. Um, so first it was the curb ramp, and then it was the uh, you know the uh, the little um, they're called um, domes that that uh, the the rough the little domes that go over the uh, curb ramps so that a person that's blind can use their cane to um, find them as they uh, cross the street. So some of those kinds of things, you know, the physical access, but it's come in in waves. So you know things like um, the Pentecrest in Iowa City. Uh, for many, many years, even after the ADA, there were steps, and a lot of those steps have, have finally gone away. I think there's so, you know, a law is only as good as how well it can be implemented. So, I, you know, I've seen those kinds of changes in terms of the physical environment. Um, I, I, re, I am old enough to remember when um, having accessible entrances was not the norm. Um, having interpreters was not the norm. You know, there are still times when there's uh, a battle about whether we have interpreters or captions or, you know, and, and so, you know, it's not like everything is just fixed, but I mean, I think there's, there's an understanding and an expectation. And it's interesting now with the, you know, the black lives matter movement and just the social, uh, justice thing. I think there's, there's even more of a mood, uh, a push for inclusion right now. So, you know, I think we're seeing, uh, that, that continue, uh, I guess on a personal level, um, you know, first it was Braille menus that became were kind of the, the in thing. Um, and then uh, audio description of uh, live theater um, and of uh, a number of television programs uh, became uh, an issue that was uh, in terms of the ADA that, that was uh, that, that I experienced. And then through technology, um, whether it's web access or even with my job, being able to have the accessible equipment that I need and there being processes in place for me to, to do that. Whereas prior to the ADA, a lot of those, <clears throat> those uh, accommodations were not necessarily required. And now, you know, 30 years later, at least in, you know, in, in the area of the space where I work, um, we see them as a matter of course, and well, of course you would do it, but you know, I think we, we still have a ways to go. So um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it, it, it does. And Aaron, we'll switch over to you just to kind of get your perspective um, since this is all you've ever known as the ADA law to be enforced. Well, now, so the phrasing there is interesting that you say that because I'm going to uh, quote a gal from Crip Camp. It's a documentary that just came out uh, that was directed by a personal friend of mine, Jim Bulbrecht, um, on Netflix. And she talks about the ADA is only as good as when it's actually enforced. Uh, like Mike is saying, and like you're saying, I think, I think we do have a little ways to go. Now, see, being from Iowa, I've grown up in Iowa my whole life. I went to school in Mount Pleasant, just about 45 minutes away from here. Um, so living in a small town, I was very accustomed to going to a movie theater and having to go up steps or having to have somebody carry me 
you know, up the steps. And I'm like, this is like 2009. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I think a lot of the infrastructure changes, I mean, they, they're implemented. Um, and I think when they are implemented, businesses benefit. Your business will benefit by being accessible to everyone. If you make it, you know, accessible for everyone to be able to partake, trust me, disabled people, we're patrons. We like to buy stuff too. I love going to Ray Gun. It's like super accessible. Like, and that's the thing. It's like, you have to remember when you're doing closed captioning for a live stream for your business, you're helping somebody who might not be able to access that media material um, without that closed captioning. When you're adding an image description to your business, you're helping so that person can buy a piece of merchandise and feel included for one thing. I think all of businesses, whether it's ADA related or accommodations related, we should all try to be the most inclusive we can possibly be. And what's so cool with the Black Lives Matters movement right now, and Mayor Teague, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but there's also a disabled Black Lives Matter movement. Um, so I think that's important to highlight disabled Black Lives Matter as well. Um, there's some intersectionality there, right? Because during Crip Camp, you know, they kind of talk about you go through like the 1970s and there's an intersection of the gay community, the African-American community and the disability rights community. We're all in this together. You know, when we're talking about minority groups, when we're doing sensitivity trainings, if you include people with disabilities, that just means, you know, we're all part of it. I think we can all really relate to being excluded whether you're being excluded from a business or you're being excluded from a job opportunity, um, which unfortunately has happened. Um, and it's 2020. And again, I think that comes down to perception. When people see me roll into their office, unfortunately, there's a perception that I'm not as confident as the able-bodied person. Um, I think we really need to start changing the language around disability because people inherently think when you say, oh, I'm a disabled woman, their first reaction is, oh, no, you're not. I'm well, like, yes, I am. Yeah. I am disabled. I am disabled as heck. Like, sorry, but like when you see me, I am disabled. Don't take our identifier away. Disabled does not mean bad. Disabled does not mean unprofessional. Disabled does not mean incompetent. We have to change the language. And that starts with just being more inclusive of groups and hearing more voices. Does that well, make sense? It, it does make sense. Um, although there is a little bit of a divide uh, amongst those that um, talk about disability. It, it's something that people don't want to be labeled as. And then now there is kind of, I heard you say it earlier, Aaron, reclaiming the word uh, disability with great pride. And so that is something that I, 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 I want to know, what are your thoughts on that divide in, within our community? It is interesting. Um, 
because I, I grew up in, you know, within growing up in the disability rights and independent living movement where we put the person first. Um, and I continue to believe that. I believe that, uh, I, I, for one thing, I've never been a fan of the word disability. I don't have a better option. And that's what we've kind of settled on over the years. But if you dissect it, <clears throat> it's, you know, dis is not. So not ability. And that's not who I am. Um, but that's the word that seems to have been settled on. And that's a lot better than handicapped or some other things that people have come along the years. But having being blind is once in my mind is one one part only of my identity. I mean, I'm a I'm a homeowner. I'm a an employee. I'm a sports fan. I'm a gardener. I love to travel. So, you know, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing is not in my mind, well, what's going on with the blindness today? It's what, what have I got to do today? And what am I looking forward to? And so I, I see myself as a person first. And, you know, I think there's, there's actually a, a national organization called people first or self-advocates becoming empowered. And then from that, there are people first uh, chapters around the country. So that's kind of where I come from uh, on that. And I completely understand, and I let me make something clear. At Claiming Disability Inc., Claiming Disability, your disability journey is your own. We definitely understand person-first language, like Mike is talking about, persons with disability versus identity-first language, which is what I use, disabled person. There is nothing wrong with however you want to identify as a disabled person. But I do think that there's a misconception, like Mike is talking about, you know, I look at myself as a person first. With the identity first movement, we do look as our look at ourselves as people. We're disabled people. We're a culture and we're proud of it. Um, so person first language was created by the able-bodied community so we inherently are reclaiming as you said uh mayor t you know we're reclaiming that label you know and that's why we have uh you know movies like crip camp i mean jim i mean everybody at camp janed in new york city called it crip camp because that was the culture let's you know, I can't wait until we go to crip camp this summer. Like, it's a culture. Mm -hmm. um, I say disabled, and I say it proudly. My shirt says pretty disabled and powerful. Again, it comes down to semantics. And I think when Mike's like in the Webster's Dictionary, disabled says not, like not, I think we need to change the vernacular of disabled means a person who's very familiar with community resources. A disabled person is somebody who is very familiar with being oppressed. A disabled person is very familiar with the accommodations in their community. A disabled person can relate to other disabled people. I don't have the same disabled experience as Mike. I'm a disabled woman. I have cerebral palsy. I use a walker. I don't know what it's like to be visually impaired, but I can relate to not being able to get the accommodations that I need to have people look at me like I'm less. 
And again, I, with the reclaim movement, we've decided to not give people that power. We're taking back the label and we're disabled and proud. I like to say disabled and fierce. We've got a t-shirt in our merch store, disabled and fierce. Hello, goodbye. Like uh, link in the comments, y'all. Go to our merch store if you wanna celebrate disability pride. And which by the way, for disability pride month, claiming disability, we celebrate disability every day because it's a beautiful part of our identity. To take it out of our identity doesn't make any sense because like Mike says, yeah, maybe he doesn't, maybe I don't instinctually wake up and say, wow, I have cerebral palsy today, but I know when I'm going into the world, I will encounter something that, you know, my disability will be impacted by. And it's not us, it's the barriers surrounding us that are inaccessible that makes the world hard for us to get around. Like. So that's not something where we have to take away our identity. The world needs to be fixed to include others in terms of disability and media representation and stuff like that. That's not us. We out here celebrating. I hear <laughs> like, you. So, yeah. So what I might say is, so anybody that's out there looking at this um, episode today is to do self-examination about what is their knowledge of ADA. Um, and how within their world can they contribute to the enforcement? Because I think that's the key is that is is as good as it is enforced, right? And so do self-examination. Um, one, one thing that I'm proud of is that the city of Iowa City, you know, when I think about our parks and our rec centers, where we look at ADA. Now, of course, there's something to be said where we can always do better, but I think we're looking at it. I think one step is assessment. The other thing is when we're, when there are developers coming into town, it's important to do universal design to have that a part of the project so that people can remain in the place where they call home and not have to move. So there's a great opportunity within the community for education. Now you're talking about the celebration, right, of, of, of a Disability Pride Month. With COVID-19, it was to happen right around now, but it's not gonna happen. You're looking at, is it October 3rd that you're gonna do a celebration? Yeah. Is it gonna be online? It is. We're still actually doing some, some planning, obviously, um, and taking something online, it is amazing how much uh, changes change has to happen. So, you know, we envision for those that have attended ADA celebrations in the past, we've, we've talked about awards and we're actually, I'm really excited to, um, we're, we're working on now a process for um, providing some um, recognition for, uh, or not recognition, well, doing that too, but also um, writing some funding for a local either advocacy group or agency that is doing something inclusive um, and involving people with disabilities in that. So uh, we're also, and Aaron, maybe you'd like, um, because I'm, I'm not quite up to speed where we are, but I know that there's, we've had a lot of discussion with the Harkin Institute about either having Senator Harkin or um, a representative either present online or um, sharing a, a prepared video um, because we really do want, and it's, we, we've often been asked about why October, 
And the original plan was to really make this an opera. We, we've struggled for attendance in the last few years and we thought, man, this will be great to bring students in and figure that all out. So it still is an evolving uh, process, but Aaron, what, what would you like to add? And Mike, you need to remember that October is National Disability Employment <laughs> Awareness Month. Uh, so that will actually fit perfectly with that. And our theme for this year for the ADA celebration is employment is empowering. Um, so we are getting a representative from Harkin Institute. We're stoked about that. In Iowa, Hark Senator Harkin's kind of, former Senator Harkin is kind of a big deal. Uh, so we're super stoked. Um, yeah, and so it'll be in October for National Disability Employment Awareness. And again, like Senator Harkin mentions in the Harkin Institute, he just did a presentation actually virtually where he discussed this very thing. Our final frontier for people with disabilities is the employment piece. We need to be walking, excuse me, maybe that's a bad word, rolling the roll uh, when it comes to representation of disabled people in the workforce. Young disabled women and young disabled men need to know that they can be directors, that they can be CEOs, that they can be doctors, you know, as a disabled person. Who's more empathetic to somebody who has been a patient, but a disabled uh, person who's in the medical field? There's a really lovely gal that who we love that's called a seated nurse. Uh, she is an African-American woman who has a disability and is a nurse. And the only reason she got a job is because of COVID. And she works in New York City. And they were like, we have a nursing shortage. We need as many bodies as we can. She had applied for over 85 nursing jobs. Guys, like, it's not difficult to get a nursing job because people need healthcare professionals. My husband works at Mercy. Like, people need those jobs. And so she was being turned down essentially because of her disability. And now she has a job. So I think COVID is actually, it's ironic, disabled people, we've been preparing for this our entire lives uh, because we have often had to be resourceful when it comes to work, either working remotely or, you know, um, I take public transportation, the lovely Iowa City public transportation. I think it's a wonderful resource uh, for disabled people. But again, it's hard to get around. So I think with COVID, it's been really interesting how we've been able to be accommodating during this time. For us in the community that don't have a physical disability or maybe some other challenges, um, it, it's important to hear from individuals that do have some impairments um, and, and tell us how we can be more um, in tuned or educated on on some things. So thanks for being a part today to both of you. Any closing words that you would like to say? I do want to let you guys know that our virtual ADA event that will be taking place on October 3rd, it's free to the public. Anyone can register. I highly recommend if you're a caregiver of somebody with a disability, if you're a disabled person yourself, uh, that you join. 
us and attend, it will be accessible. We will have ASL interpreters. We will have closed captioning. We will make sure you have the accessibility that you need. Um, and it's gonna be a really interesting session. You're gonna feel empowered and ready to just take on the world after you be part of this Zoom session. Awesome. So. I just wanna wish everybody a happy 30th ADA celebration. And, <clears throat> and as you watch this, just think about ways that you can include people with disabilities in whether it's your circle of friends, your job, your employment, um, your business, uh, wherever, wherever it is that you have a <clears throat> sphere of influence, um, just realize that we are a part of the community and, and uh, remember the ADA and what it stands for and what we have accomplished. Thanks to both of you. We're all in this together and happy Pride. Thank you. Yes, thank you both. Thank you. Thanks for watching our show today. We'll be back again next week with more Community Connection. Until then, stay safe.